Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hi, I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is a journalist, influencer, and podcast host, Alex Light. Alex and I's paths have crossed a number of times over the years. I am a super fan of her Instagram. I absolutely love it. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast for a proper chat today. I feel like our stories are really similar in many ways. And there's so much that Alex writes about that I sort of feel really resonates with me and my own journey. And I hope that will resonate with many of you today. So I am so excited to have you here. Alex, how are you doing? Hi. Oh my God. I'm so good. I'm so happy to be chatting to you. Podcasts <laughs> have crossed a few times, haven't they? Yeah. It's so funny because like, I remember coming on your podcast yeah. this is before, right before you sort of really blew up on Instagram. And I remember just being like, oh my God, you're so articulate and like so good at oh. kind of explaining everything that you want to do. And I just really resonated with it a lot. And I think now it's so great oh. to see how you've been on this journey and to see everything that you've done over the last few years is amazing. Um, oh, thank you. And yeah, it's just been so nice to watch from a distance as a little, as a little fan. Oh, fan girl. <laughs> oh thank you. Yeah. I think, I think you came on my podcast in the pandemic. I think it was. I know. Yeah. I think it was just at the start where Zoom was. was like, we were just figuring Zoom out and we were like, what is this? Yeah. Like, what is this? <laughs> so weird. So, yeah. So I wanted good. to talk first about like obviously you've had a really varied career you went from being a full-time journalist you wrote for hello magazine you were an editor at hello to now running your mm. swimwear business light london which i know you launched i think it was last year publishing your first yes. book which is so exciting yeah. and also launching a number one podcast can you talk to me a little bit about that progression you've obviously done a lot in quite a short space of time how have you found yourself yeah. where you are now and really finding your groove with life which is what it seems like from an outsider's perspective yeah so I've actually I think people think Instagram is like a fairly new thing for me but it's not I've actually been on Instagram for like a really long time as an influencer for lack of a yeah. better word yeah um but I used to do so yeah so when I was um at hello magazine I was doing fashion and beauty and on Instagram I would just do like my outfits and like my favorite beauty products and that was back in the day where people followed people all the time do you know what I mean yeah. like now in social media Instagram especially is so saturated so uh, it's really hard to gain a following but I gained one quite easily just through sharing my outfits so I had around like 40,000 followers for, for years mm. for ages but it was everything that I was doing on there and a lot of what I was doing was sharing photos that had been manipulated by by me like I'd edited them and I'd made myself thinner and smoothed my skin and just like completely altered my body like you wouldn't really recognize me from the original picture mm. and I I realized at some point and you know I was I was in the thick of an eating disorder at 
that at that time and I just realized that this feels wrong this feels jarring what I'm doing feels so at odds with what is actually going on behind the scenes and it isn't ma- what I'm doing isn't making me happy so I made that shift to start to talk about initially it was about eating disorders um, and body confidence and it's grown into more anti-diet culture now and yeah I feel like I feel like it's it has been a crazy few years in like a really good a really nice way and I'm um yeah I feel very lucky for all of it but I think what it comes down to is just that my story I think a lot of people relate to my story like Mm. like you know you do and like Mm. like your story I think it's just it's really common and eating disorders disordered eating chronic dieting and body image issues are so rife and so prevalent and so Mm. widespread but there's still a lot of uh, of shame and stigma around them and people are embarrassed to talk about them so I think yeah it's, it's nice when someone feels relatable to you which is why I think I've been yeah. lucky enough to have that success yeah the other thing that I think is so interesting is you said like there was obviously a lot of shame around it but I also think there's another area of it that a lot of people don't even realize that what they've been doing for their entire lives or how they are living is actually disordered and I think one of the right. things that you're doing really well is not only calling out this stuff but also helping people just to understand like what is diet culture how does it infiltrate every aspect of our lives how does it make us do things differently to maybe how you normally would if you didn't have any of those external influences yeah. and I think that that's why I, I really love and I really resonate with your content is because it's also just helping people to understand how this stuff really works I think for some people like yeah. you said they do realize okay I've got an issue there's obviously a disorder there there's some Thing going on that's not quite right but for a lot of people particularly the more kind of surface level stuff that I won't have this I'm gluten-free and that not that there's anything wrong with being gluten-free but you know what I mean like there's yeah, lots of yeah, different yeah. things that sort of came about and a lot of people don't quite even realize that that's that's disordered in its own way totally there's so much stuff that like flies below the radar and also and a reason that my platform feels more anti-diet culture is that for a long time it was body confidence and self-love and me sharing my body and saying like look my body although it is not by any means marginalized, still does not look like the societal standard of beauty and the one that we've been, you know, force fed by the media forever and and a day. So that stuff is important. And I I enjoy doing that stuff, but it always felt like there's something missing here because, and I know that I could consume and I did, I used to consume content like that until I couldn't consume any more of it, but it didn't quite work for me and I think I found out that I was that stuff is tackling a symptom rather than the problem the problem being diet culture and what drives diet culture and you know Mm. not to get all like too but like the patriarchy as well which underpins Mm. diet culture I think all of it is is conditioning that we've all been subject to pretty much Mm. for our entire lives so we just don't realize it we just yeah we just don't we just don't know any difference and humans are really good at just going along with stuff and not questioning and not challenging, you know, if I hadn't been taught about diet culture, I would never, ever, ever, never know. It's so insidious as well. Like it just, like I said earlier, it, it infiltrates every aspect of our lives to the point that you do become so immune to actually even seeing it unless you're aware of what it actually is. And actually that was going to be one of my questions was like, I think for a lot of people, they don't actually quite understand First of all, the term diet culture is fairly not new. Like it's obviously been around in certain circles for a long time, but become more mainstream as a term. Are you able to maybe explain your kind of understanding of what diet culture is and how it presents? For sure. And it is a bit of a 
buzzword, isn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. say diet culture, and it's like, well, what does that actually mean? Yeah. And I think the definition that resonates most with me, and I'm going to butcher her words now, but it's Chris, Christy Harrington who wrote that a diet culture is a, a system of beliefs that thinness is the best thing that a human can achieve. Mm. So essentially, it's the idea that we need to be thin, we need to be smaller. We need to work on shrinking and fixing our bodies. Mm. And that if we do that, there's the diet culture myth that if we do that and we obtain that perfect body, that we're going to unlock success and happiness and desirability and lovability. And it's like finding the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? Like that's that's mm. diet culture really in, mm. a, in a nutshell. Mm. And it's all driven by the diet culture industry because without the diet culture industry, I don't think, I can't say for sure, but I don't think diet culture would yeah. be thriving as it is now. Yeah. And I also think that everything you've just said is also far more apparent when we see thinness being rewarded by the people that we see on the TV, the people that we see in the magazines, the people we see as being successful mm. tend to be thin white women so for that reason it's almost like the equation is if I put in this then surely I should get that because that's what I'm seeing as success and I think that's so challenging for people to kind of see anything other than one body type one type of person as the pinnacle of what they should be looking like and should be aspiring to totally and I think that's a tricky one it's a difficult one to acknowledge as well because there is a level of societal acceptance and respect that you earn from looking like the standard of beauty that's Mm. that's the problem and that's like you said we see that we see the people being rewarded we see this like who famous people like I can probably not even name a handful like five fat women who are really famous you know or do you know what I mean it's it's just it's so the disparity is crazy and I think yeah yeah but I think what we have to so that is difficult and awkward to acknowledge that that there is that level of respect and privilege privilege exactly that comes with it but the cost of it is really big it's huge Mm. and also we know that that's not looking a certain way is not what truly makes you happy and I think that that's one of those cliche things like oh it's not how about how you look like Mm. you know beauty doesn't bring you happiness but it is true it it, Mm. it really is true and it's like Mm. scientifically proven that that's not what brings us real contentment and joy and fulfillment Mm. to our lives Mm. like those are the that that comes from like leading a a healthy life and I don't mean healthy in the way that diet culture has come to you know define the word healthy I mean like genuinely healthy like nourishing our bodies and also treating our bodies and having good mental health and Mm. not dedicating our entire time to what we eat how we eat Mm. how we look what the numbers on the scale say that's not healthy and I think as well both you and I can can attest to the fact that there's a huge amount of sacrifice for so many women that go into having to achieve a a very low body fat percentage or a a very small lean physique and actually like when you you're right when we look at happiness like yes maybe you or I presented as the ideal I'm not saying I'm not that now like I'm still a very privileged thin white woman and you know whatever but um I think that the sacrifices that I know I personally had to go to to get the body that I thought I wanted were huge and yet yeah 
I was seen as the pinnacle of health and like that, you know, the person who had the abs and it was like, oh my God, you're so healthy. And I think that like, it's such a warped concept of what we perceive to be success, to be beauty, Mm. to be all of these things. Um, One of the things that I found really interesting and I actually wanted to ask you about was where a lot of this stuff stems from. And I know that like, I don't want to make this my own personal therapy session, (laughs) but but I know that a lot of my stuff definitely stems from childhood, from family environments, from what you were brought up with and what you felt presented itself to you as being what you had to do as a woman when you were growing up. And I just wonder if you had a similar experience. I know that you and I grew up in a similar time, you know, and there's a lot of what you talk about online, which is look at these magazine covers, look at these things that were being pushed to women at that time. Do you feel like it was almost inevitable for a lot of us to absorb that stuff, to absorb our mums always being on the Ducan diet, the Atkins diet, you know, the next diet. And then that paired with the Mm. stuff that we presented within the media. Do you think it's almost inevitable for us to come out of that unscathed? Inevitable. It's the perfect storm. And it it all originates from one place, which is diet culture. And it all comes down to money, really. Like that's Mm. at the root of it. Mm. But it doesn't manifest in just one place. It's everywhere. It's ubiquitous and we cannot get away from it. And we're, I mean when we're growing up the only the only we only know what we know right and we only know what we know from the people around us Mm. and so if the people around us are unhappy with their bodies if they're constantly on diets if they're talking about oh that girl's big or like that celebrity's put on weight hasn't she we internalize all of that of course we do we're sponges and I think yeah that is a big part of the reason that so many of us were, there's a statistic, I'm going to butcher it, but I think it's at the age of six that girls become aware of their bodies Mm. and and, uh, in relation to its size. And I think that it's, that doesn't surprise me anymore. It's no wonder if that's the environment that you're growing up in and you have no counter narrative and no counter argument to that, then why would you think any differently? I mean, and and it's not our parents' generation, you know, it's not the the older generation's fault either because they were just as much victims as even the generation before that. It's just, yeah. it's been passed down. And I think the problem is that we think it's innate. We think it's innate to want to be thin. And we think that it's innate to be attracted to thin people. And that's what's beautiful, but it's not. All of this is conditioning, which is illustrated perfectly by the fact that, you know, the ideal body size varies from culture to culture in different parts of the world and has done over time you know fat used to be a symbol of prosperity and wealth and fertility and health and therefore people were attracted to fat people whereas you know nowadays the ideal is really thin and and that just goes to show that it is not innate it is all conditioning and we've been subject to a barrage of conditioning and I think probably it's way more than we even realize and Mm. every single tiny even imperceptible acceptable bit of of conditioning has just been compounded and then it's culminated in this belief system that we have to be thin and if Mm. we're not thin we're not attractive or we're not worthy or we can't be successful or we can't you know unlock this nirvana that you know diet culture promises and yeah that's a roundabout way of saying yeah we've consumed we've consumed so much you know and I remember my mum saying but I didn't I don't think I really you know I can't remember anything really telling me that I needed to be thin and as, as I was actually writing my book and the more I was looking into it and the things that were advertised in the 70s and the 60s and the Mm. 80s and 
the things that are on television and then the ideal bodies and this is an absolute barrage of stuff but mm. we we don't we it's hard for us to identify it because we're so used to it it's so ingrained in us that it's felt normal our entire lives yeah. that's the problem yeah no completely it's really interesting that you reference your mum there because I think that my mum would probably say the same not now because she's done a lot of yeah. work on herself but I think back in the day she'd be like no like it's it's got nothing to do with anyone else it's what I want to do and I'm like is it though and I don't think a lot of us even realize yeah. you know the effect that what we consume around us has so much to do with how we then feel about ourselves um yeah you referenced earlier about the male gaze and uh, patriarchy mm. being one of the reasons why a lot of women want to keep themselves thin. It's not even mm. necessarily for themselves. It's often for their partner or to be attractive to men because they believe that to be, like you said, the ideal the ideal body type, the ideal woman, mm. the ideal picture of beauty that they see. I know that you're mm. in a loving relationship and you're happily married and congratulations because you got married quite Thank recently. You. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I think it is really interesting to kind of, uh, for as much as you're able to talk about it, understand that journey. You've obviously been on a journey with your body and how you shared that with your partner. I know one of the messages mm. that I get from a lot of women is, I'm so worried about what my boyfriend might think. Uh, I'm worried that I'm not going to be attractive if I gain weight. Um, and, and, and sort of those kind of conversations. And I think it would be really interesting to hear how you navigated that mm. journey together and how he's clearly supported yeah. you through a really transformational time in your life. Totally. And um, just just quickly, for anyone listening who's a bit like, how is the patriarchy linked to diet culture? Oh, yeah, sorry. I just, no, no, I was just, because I was just thinking, it, like, a few years ago, I probably, probably would have been like, what? Like, that yeah. makes no sense. But No, I hear like, you. <laughs> diet culture is a fantastic tool for the patriarchy because it keeps women quiet. It keeps us quiet and busy and obedient because we're too busy focusing on how we look and trying to change how we look, which is really difficult to do, that uh, it just, it zaps our energy and capacity to do anything else. So it's a very, it's a, yeah, it's a fantastic way to keep women quiet and obedient which it, it has done for mm, a long yeah, time for sure. um, but the yeah so oh it was I, I actually met Dave when I was in uh, a bad place with uh, bulimia with my bulimia and I was so scared to for him to find out and for him to tell, uh, for, for me to tell him, I was absolutely terrified and I kept it a secret for a really long time until it wasn't possible for me to keep it a secret anymore because it was, it was too obvious. And I just thought I, I still, even though I had, uh, I had opened up a little bit about this online, but I still internally, I still felt a lot of shame around it and embarrassment around my eating mm. disorder and I was actually I'm embarrassed to, step, to say still of the mindset that an eating disorder is just a vanity illness which is what a lot of people think it is which is often why it doesn't get the recognition that it yeah. deserves mm. um, and I thought there's something wrong with me because I'm, I'm getting this therapy I still want to be thin you know I still want to be thin why do I want to be thin it must be because I want to look good so I'm just vain like I need to get over this. And so I was just very embarrassed. And I thought that if he found out, he wouldn't want to be with me anymore, which makes absolutely no sense now. Mm. But I was in my headspace. My mind was in a, in a bit of a warped uh, space at that time. And it turns out telling him was actually uh, probably one of the biggest things that actually 
got me through to true recovery alongside a lot of other stuff because I hate when people I don't hate it but I, I often get frustrated when people say oh is this one thing that I did and then I recovered because mm. I don't believe recovery is like that I think it's so multifaceted and so complex but Dave supporting me was like I think vital for my recovery and and realizing and hearing him say and believing him when he said I don't care what weight you are. I don't care if you put on weight. That doesn't matter to me. That's not why I'm with you. I just don't care. And it, I really, really believed it. Mm. And it was at a time when I when I was putting on weight through various different reasons. And it was still incredibly painful because at that time it was, you know, up until then I spent my entire life trying to be thin and trying to lose weight. So I was going mm. against everything that I dedicated my life to. Mm. So it was incredibly painful, but I think it was just about tolerable because of his support. But then I, th- I think I do have to acknowledge as well that I was lucky that he was, that he's emotionally intelligent. Yeah. Not yeah. with himself, <laughs> bizarrely, yeah. but with other people, <laughs> he really does have a lot of emotional intelligence mm. and other partners just, you know, sometimes they lack that. Mm. And I think it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be your partner where you get this, you know, this support system from. Mm. It can be just someone that you trust and I think it's just so important like opening up and releasing Mm. the secret and I think it's Brené Brown that says that releasing the secret releases its power Mm. and that's so 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 true and it just it's a huge relief and just to have someone to talk to so I always encourage anyone if they can to just Mm. yeah and like I say it doesn't have to be your partner you know and don't you know every partner has their like their good their good parts and their bad parts and Mm. and don't hold you know anyone listening don't hold your partner to Dave's standard because that's just an area in which he genuinely is really good like really mm. emotionally intelligent um but yeah someone that you can just open up to and that can offer you support is just hugely helpful I know you know that too it's mm. it's yeah. vital we'll be back after this ah, mm. the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. And look, I think that it's like... It's amazing to hear stories like yours because I think we need to hear more of those. Again, with Paddy, like when we got together, I was like tiny and yeah. my body has changed and and definitely for the better. And like we have such a healthy relationship in terms of conversations around you know, how I feel and my attractiveness and my confidence doesn't come from his acceptance of me. I think that's really important yeah. to kind of work out is that like it's important to have sexual chemistry to have connection to be attracted to each other for sure but that doesn't come from my body looking a certain way and actually like I think that it's so important to have examples like yourself where you hear a partner say I love you regardless of how you look I'm not with you for you looking this way like that's what our relationship is built on because I think you know when we look at things going back to diet culture we look at things like movies and sitcoms and all that sort of stuff like a woman gains weight and it's like the worst thing that could ever happen and 
you know, the guy is losing his shit over it. And it's just, it just kind of reinstates that fact that like women are solely there to be attractive to men and you are a failure if you somehow change body shape from the time when you get with your partner to when you're like on your deathbed. And it's just, it's mad. (laughs) Actually like a a time when I think a lot of women really feel this is, is when they're perimenopausal and menopausal. I think that for example, that's a time in women's mm. lives where a lot of their their body does change and they're going through hormonal changes. And again, at pregnancy as well, it's another time. And, you know, I hear from yeah. so many women, I'm sure you're the same, who are almost like doubly beating themselves up, not just because their body's changed, but also because they've changed for their partner. And I think it's a really yeah. complex, difficult part of their lives to navigate. And it got, does all stem from seeing one body type is a success. You know, I think you did a post about yeah. trying to st- stay in the same size jeans from when you were like 18. Was it, was it you that did that? Yeah. And you know, like trying yes. to say, like attributing like I'm a size eight and that's the size I'm going to be for the rest of my life as though it's some kind of badge of honor. And it's just, it's really crazy that we hold ourselves to such crazy standards of, you know, beauty. And yeah, I just yeah. think it's so nice to hear your story about you and Dave and just hear about how you've navigated that journey because it does give hope to other people that you can find someone that's like that. Yeah. And look, I think a lot of people and, and dating as a plus size woman can be really difficult because mm. we do, you know, still live in this world that is rife with fat phobia. So it can be difficult. And I don't want to negate any of that struggle. But if someone loves you for how you look and how your body looks and they don't love you, it's not love, mm. you know, they might lust after you, but that's as deep as it goes. And you don't want someone that only loves you for how you look. That's not yeah. going to be then a relationship that's built on, on strong, solid foundation. Mm. Um, and the other thing as well is that men's bodies change as well. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. But that's, that's never, that's never met with any horror or concern it's it's all focused on women's bodies changing and mm. you know I, I you know have to acknowledge that they do more so because of things like the menopause and and pregnancy mm. and hormones but men's bodies change as well you know? yeah no I completely so agree it's just it's just part of being a human like everybody everybody changes and fluctuates according to their environment and their current like mental health or just whatever anything and also we don't even need to give like reasons for it you know like people's weight just fluctuates and yeah that's that's that yeah and, yeah. and th- don't let anyone yeah I hope that nobody listening lets anyone makes them feel bad for it because it's absolutely yeah. none of their business definitely I'd love to hear about how you actually set out on this journey of, I'm going to call it a journey of self-love, but I don't necessarily know if that's how you describe it, but I don't quite know the words of finding body confidence, of finding self-acceptance, and also maybe you might use the words like just finding neutrality about your body, which I think is actually a really good way to describe it. That's how I would tend to describe how I feel about myself. I, I, I really don't feel that I'm like either a self-love person or a self-hate person. I'm just trying to just exist and be like, sometimes I'm this and sometimes I'm that. But um, I'd love to hear like what set you out on that path and what you feel were the kind of really positive steps that helped you to get to where you are now. Because I know that there are so many people who will want to know, hopefully that process, I mean, obviously get the book as well. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. No, I like, I, I like to think of it as body peace because it feels like I've been at war with my body for so long. And now I feel like I'm at peace with my body and it's, it's the best thing ever. It truly is the best thing ever. It's the most liberating thing in the world. And it's the best thing I've ever done, but I would like to stress, and this is not to discourage people, but just to keep 
expectations realistic so that you don't just like have another, uh, you know, change weight loss into another goal to strive towards. But it's been really hard and long. And my story is quite complex because I was initially diagnosed with anorexia, which then morphed into bulimia and eventually binge eating disorder. Mm. And so it's lasted a really long time. And there has been so much that has contributed to my progress and my recovery Mm. and that's why and this isn't I I promise you this isn't me like just trying to plug the book but that's what because I was like I I can't when women message me on Instagram and say how do I feel better about my body I just I can't give that to you in a DM it's so hard and it's so complex and while there was no light bulb moment for me because I don't really like necessarily believe in that in Mm. recovery because I just think it's 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 a lot slower and more complicated than that. Mm. I think what really helped me, which is why I do what I do now with anti-diet, what really helped me was knowing why I don't like my body and why I want to be thinner and why I idolize thinness. Because I was looking at all of these women who were showing off their bodies, you know, plus size bodies, all different kinds of bodies. And I could see the beauty in all of them. But when it came back to me, I was like, but I still don't understand why I have this, what I thought was innate desire to be thin. And it was only when I started to research diet culture and get to the bottom of it and the reasons why our collective body image is so bad and and why so many women are dissatisfied with their body and want to be thinner, want to lose weight. Why it's such a collective preoccupation. Mm. That was when I think something kind of clicked for me I was like I I get it now I get the root of it I understand Mm. I understand why and and I can go from there and I think Mm. that was it was quite pivotal Mm. for me in understanding but but there were there were of of course like other things as well and one of those things was as I was saying seeing bodies seeing bodies like mine where my first reaction would be oh she looks great and then my second reaction would be but hang on her body is very similar to mine so if she looks great why can't I look great? Why do I hate my body when I think actually this woman looks great? Mm. And that was a really interesting, like sort of sowed a seed of doubt in my mind, like hang on, maybe this is a mind problem rather than a body problem, which is of course what it it was and what, you know, body image issues tend to be, you know, yeah. problems in the mind rather than body, because I, I didn't think that I could accept my body mm. with any kind of weight gain. And, and now I'm, uh, you know, one of the biggest weights I've ever been and I'm genuinely okay with my body Mm. and if you'd have asked me that five years ago I just said there's just no way in hell like meaning like there is absolutely no way that is an impossibility so Mm. I now I now have proof that that was about my that was that was a problem in my mind not my body yeah and then I'm trying to think of like what were the other really important things for me but I think social media, Instagram was uh, amazing, amazing for me. Just having access to representation and diversity. And, you know, I'd I'd never seen like none of us had really, apart from like the Dove adverts, you know, the True Beauty adverts back in the day, Mm. which is still, which is still quite a, a small variation you know yeah. small but they were doing it at least they were doing yeah, it they yeah. were doing something but apart from that I'd never seen any other body type than the standard of beauty represented in the media mm. and to see it initially on Instagram was like shocking and my in- initial thoughts were oh my god like that is it just felt really shocking mm. which is I know it's sad to say and bad to say but that's the truth and I think that's what a lifetime of conditioning does to us mm. is we're so used to seeing one type of person embracing their body that when we see 
something that falls outside that standard of beauty. It feels like, whoa, like how can they do that? And it was, yeah, and, and that was really helpful. Just access to that was really helpful at deconditioning myself from believing that beauty only lies in one type of of look because it's just not true it really isn't true and that that process was really nice of trying to find beauty and diversity and opening up my eyes to people around me and like you know even like people on the street to be like you know can I can I see the beauty elsewhere and work out and and that was a process of me trying to work out is it innate is it because that's what's beautiful or is it conditioning? And that was really cool then to start to see the beauty in other people and and different types of, you know, all different types of body sizes and mm. shapes and uh, races and gender. And that was really magical. And I think ultimately it allowed me then to see the beauty in my own body. Yeah. Um, but, but like you said, that doesn't have to be the goal. You don't have to love your body or think mm. your body's beautiful. Like in an ideal world, we would all just be neutral about our bodies. And we would just, I think a good place to be would be that we all, we can all live our lives without how we look impacting how we live our lives. Yeah. I think that would be a good place to be. But in the world, in the world we live in, I can see why body love and self-love, it's a huge act of rebellion. And I think that the, you know, the, the pendulum almost does need to swing the other way before it, it settles. So I, I understand why that stuff is around and why it's so powerful for so many people. Yeah, definitely. And I think that um, like so much of you said that you, what, what you said there is is so poignant. And I think that um, particularly when it comes to social media, like hearing you say about diversifying your feed of seeing different bodies, I think if there were one thing that I could get all women to do that's instantly going to make them feel better is not just to follow like Finspo, which I know so many women like... I remember like back in the day having like abs as my screensaver and you'd have like a Pinterest board, which would have like all the bodies that you wanted to look like. And it would, you know, you'd use yeah. it as like motivation when actually like right. a lot of this stuff just makes us feel so shit about ourselves. And actually like right. my newsfeed now on Instagram is so diverse and it really helps me to be like out of my head of being, of, of feeling other than do you know what I mean like feeling as though like I'm the anomaly or I'm somehow different now I look at all different bodies and just the same as you can see the beauty in all of them which is so powerful I was just going to say it's actually if you look at it objectively it's a really weird and warped place that we've ended up in where we are encouraging everyone to look the same essentially that's what we're doing we're telling everyone to look like the standard of beauty so white white but tanned thin you know toned and that is so wild because we are all so incredibly different and actually shouldn't yeah. that be what is so beautiful about the world that's so amazing like imagine if flowers there was only ever one type of flower like there was just roses you know yeah like flowers look so beautiful all together and yeah and, you know all types of flowers are, are so beautiful and I think it's just such a yeah such a warped place that we've ended up in where we think that everyone has to look the same to be beautiful completely and also a lot of the time a lot of women are fighting their genetics to be where they want to right. be they are fighting their predisposed genetics which make up such a huge part of the size and shape that we are and right. actually it's you, you said this earlier and I think it's such a great way to say it you are at war with your body like I am not made to be yeah. skinny I do not have that body type like I I will yeah. I could try every day for the rest of my life to fight what I am given but 
it's exhausting. And actually, like, there are so many women who I see, you know, I I remember when I was seeing clients full time as a PT, and like, there would be so many women that I'd have come in who were like, right, I want to be this weight and this size. And I was just, and I would just sit there being like, that would be a lifelong fight. We could definitely make, you know, change things slightly. But, you know, Mm. a lot of the time women are just fighting, fighting, fighting to try and again, go against what they have been given as their shape. And Mm. I just think that you, as you referenced earlier, it's a, it's a lot of the time, it's just freeing for women to be like, oh, there's another way. I don't have to be exhausted every day. I don't need to be constantly fighting to look a certain way. And I just think like if we can help more women to to achieve that freedom, then the world is going to be a happier place. (laughs) Totally. Oh my God, totally. Like I try not to dwell on this too much because there is nothing I can do about it. But if I think about the the years and years that I spent just like locked, I always call it like a mental prison because that's exactly how it felt. Mm. Like nothing has ever really described it like that does for me and if I think about all that time and energy and everything like capacity all of it if I think what I else I could have done with it yes it's it's sad It, it is really sad because there is a whole world out there and we end up feeling we end up becoming so insular because we are you know we just turn our our entire efforts and focus to how we look and at the end of the day and this is the thing, like, this is a question that I wish I'd asked myself earlier is why? Mm. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Because, you know, when I was the thinnest I've ever been, or when my body looked as close to, you know, the ideal body as it did, mm. I was the most miserable that I was. Mm. And I mean, yes, I had some external praise, but what does that mean? Nothing. That that doesn't mean anything. Mm. If I am miserable and unhappy and living a really small and unfulfilled mm. life, yeah, mm. I had no social life. Like my career was, I was barely functioning, mm. you know, and all all, all for, for what? Just to, mm. for a bit of external praise. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Mm. And the sacrifice is nowhere near worth it like not in a million years Mm. and again going back to like my life is absolutely not perfect and my mental health is not perfect but I'm the happiest now that Mm. I've ever been and I'm also at one of the biggest I've ever been Mm. so like that is that has got to be proof it's got to be proof that something's not you know that that diet culture myth is just Mm. a myth Mm. how do you stop yourself comparing yourself to other women's bodies like it's something that like even now I still find like they get the odd moment where I'm like oh she you know like that that sense of comparison culture how do you stop yourself from falling into that trap yeah I mean this was big for me like I'm like comparison was so big for me Mm. and it would just it would send me spiraling all the time like really spiraling but I've I think I've really I've re I've realized because I think it's easy to say a lot of this stuff, but it's harder to actually make it true in your own head. Mm. But I think it's now true in my own head that everybody has, like we said, different, not just different genetics and different DNA, but different upbringings, different mental health, different environments. And it's literally like comparing apples and oranges for you to compare yourself to anyone else, unless it's your twin and you haven't left home yet, you know, and even, (laughs) even then, even so it's not a fair comparison. Yeah. So 
I just think there is, it is futile. It is, it is futile for me to compare my body to someone else's because Mm. that's their body and this is mine. And I Mm. only have this one. So I have, I have two options. I either fight it. I fight my reality and make myself miserable or I lean, I lean into like, well, this is my body and that's okay. Mm. Like this is the body that I was given and I'm cool with that. That's the body she was given. And like, great cool Mm, yeah and I know all of this is like a lot easier said than done and it's really hard to put into practice and I think for me it's been a lot of like doing CBT on myself really Mm. and just like challenging myself whenever this has come up to be like hang on rather than letting myself spiral with like oh look at how she looks I'm like compared to me like I just feel horrible about myself or whatever. I've challenged myself on like, well, what what does this comparison do? Like, what does it serve? And actually mm. it doesn't serve anything. It just makes me miserable. Mm. And yeah, it's it's painful to fight with your reality. So mm, it's, for yeah. sure. Finally, let, uh, tell us about the book. I'm so excited. I mean, I have it here. I don't, I don't actually have it here, here, but I do have it here. It was, it arrived the other oh. day and I'm so excited to read it. And I'm really proud of you. I mean, it's such an amazing achievement, but um, yeah, tell us oh. a little bit about what to expect from the book. Yeah. So was, I literally, like, I keep saying like I threw the kitchen sink at it. Cause I was like, I want to put down everything that made me feel better about my body. And that I know has got a chance of making other people feel better about theirs mm. so and I literally and and also like I am not an expert in any way I'm an I'm a non-expert I just have a lot of it I just have first-hand experience so I wanted to call on actual experts so mm. there is literally everything in there that I thought was really important so like nutrition um fitness um some you know there's a doctor to talk about uh, the medical aspect of uh weight stigma and and fat phobia it goes into it really delves into the media as well and you know like I keep saying like the root of like why we feel the way we do and the history of diet Mm. culture which is just Mm. so fascinating literally you just you as you map it out you just watch one person make it up and it just snowballs from there and then suddenly you've got 192 point something billion dollar diet industry so it's it's wild um and yeah, I've I've been like like to think of it as like a body image bible, I guess. Mm. It's like it's my body image bible and yeah. it's like the book that I I wish I could have given myself all those years ago when I was in a really dark place because I mm. think it would have helped at least offer uh you know a, a counter narrative to to diet culture which is what we're so entrenched in. Yeah. No, 100%. I, well, I can't wait to read it and I'm so excited for you. Um, when's it come out? By the time this airs, it'll already be out. Yeah, yes. it'll be out. So it's out. <laughs> yeah, which is amazing. Crazy. Um, oh, so, well, I'm yeah. so excited for you. And um, yeah, thank I can't wait, to, can't wait to read it properly. Alex, thank you so much. I just want to say really quickly that I love what you do as well and your content and seeing it. And I think you are, I think you've really been good at like lifting the curtain on the like the diet culture myth as well you know because you were so uh, praised and celebrated for looking a certain way weren't you for so so long (laughs) so revered and then and now you know you saying that now you don't necessarily look that specific way anymore but you're uh, you know you're, you're happier I think that's a really valuable message and I, and I love it so yeah thank you so much for having me I think it's also about changing the goalposts like just to end just to finish up but you mm. know like for me it, we have such a, co- a warped concept of health and I think that was you know you said that your thing was all about finding the why behind diet culture for me it was like 
what does health actually mean to me? Like, is it not having periods and having, you know, losing your hair and not sleeping at night? Or is it actually having a really full, happy, food, food, like food enjoyment, food freedom, like all that stuff that I just stopped myself from doing, like that to me is health. And I think that like when I changed my concept of what health meant to me, it just opened so many more doors to being like, this is health. Taking two weeks off the gym, three weeks off the gym, that's actually health. And like so sleeping, you know, like all those things. And like, that's really been my why. And I think like, it's so nice to hear another person's journey and hear about what helped you because I think, oh, you know what? I'm actually going to look into that because I feel like that would be really helpful. But I think throughout this chat, I think the thing that I really have come back to each time is, you know, finding peace with your body is a difficult journey, but it's one that has the most rewarding end and I don't really see there being an end as such but a kind of a rewarding outcome yeah and to see someone like yourself go through that to go through that journey and to play it out really publicly as well like you have done um I just think it's really admirable and it's so nice to have people like yourself that we can now reference as you know this is someone that's just going to make you feel good about yourself and I think women need to have those people in their lives we need to have people that we can go to who we look at and say you just make me feel a bit better about myself and that's what you do for me and I'm I'm so grateful to have you on today (laughs) thank you so much Alice I've loved loved chatting to you it's my pleasure so much for listening I really hope you enjoyed that episode I would love it if you could take some time to rate review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it we have a new episode dropping each week so this will also ensure you don't miss out see you next time Insanity Group